that's too much, man. You like you were out of your mind. Like Rise has gone nerd. too far. Yeah, you were <laughs> such a nerd. Like, like who who does that, right? But right. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. I know I probably say this every time because I, I mean it, of course, but I'm very excited about this particular episode as it features a very well-known player from a very well-known team. We've got a lot to cover, so let's just get right into it. Alrighty, well, I've got uh, Tim with me. Uh, Tim, I am very excited for this podcast. Uh, evidently, a lot of other people are. So, you know, before I get all crazy into some kind of segue, because I'm sure it's going to happen Let's just start with you introducing yourself. Uh, who are you and who do you currently play for? I am Tim Fullerton. Play with Rise of Brutality. And that's all I've ever played for. And so. that should not even be a, a mystery. Um, so now that that's out of the way, what? Uh, let's just start from the very beginning, man. I mean, you and me, we have a history that just goes f- so far back. Um, what or who got you into dodgeball? Um, man, I I remember my wife telling me about a long time ago uh, a bar, country bar called In Cahoots that had dodgeball on the dance floor, and I just I had to check it out. You know, I played other sports, but never really got into dodgeball. To be honest with you. Um, Anyways, went to the bar, had a few drinks, checked it out, looked pretty fun, and the rest is history. I mean, that's where I started. So, in cahoots, basically, it was like a hunch then. It wasn't, you didn't know Surge or any of the other members of Rise at that point? No, I didn't know. They they were all on these really good teams, and uh, I uh, I ended up putting a team together that really wasn't good but uh you know i picked it up pretty quick and we hung in there as best we could against the other teams uh serge was on a team that was really good and so was jim he was on a team that's really good um and then a couple other members that when we created rise of brutality were also on some of their teams so uh yeah i was kind of just like the newcomer and uh, man, it it was a struggle for a little while, obviously, but uh, you know, I think that there was a tournament that they had heard about, and you know, I caught wind of it, so I, you know, I started really picking up dodgeball and enjoying it, and so I uh, I jo- joined a team and didn't really know many people except for just a few at In Cahoots, and we ended up actually doing really good and winning the tournament and funny thing is it was like right around the time that uh, Justin Pine started playing and obviously he was brand new to the sport as well me and him ended up being on the same team and winning that tournament I think it was like in Orange County or Oceanside or something like that it was a long time ago but pretty funny how that worked out it's just funny even trying to because like you think of Rise you think of Tim I mean you're you're like a you're just a staple, a pillar of, of competitive dodgeball. So trying to kind of undo that and go back through the, the motions, um, 
in cahoots. Uh, so were you, did you know like Chase Vendell and, um, I mean, he's like the only, one of the original people I can remember. Was he part of that whole cahoots uh, thing as well? Or was it like just random dodgeball players or like, do you, can you recall? Yeah, no, Chase Vendell really wasn't. He, he, uh, he started coming to in cahoots a little bit later. Um, the way I remember it going down, it was a long time ago, man, but, uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> I remember it going down like uh, Serge and Jim and Jay and Anthony Alessandro and a few other guys that weren't on Rise. They made this team called Six One Nine, and they they were the ones that you know came to the first NDL tournament. And I ended up just showing up and like just watching. Hmm. And um, I continued to play, and obviously they those guys saw that I was getting really good. So I think it was Serge that approached me and just basically wanted to put a team together and I was interested. And uh, yeah, so from there on out, we just went with Rise of Brutality was the name and just picked a, a core group of members and just went with it. And um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it went down from my memory. Gotcha. So, uh, so six one nine kind of uh, preceded rise of brutality, basically. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, because I remember you, you can definitely see them, and I've got pictures of a uh, two thousand six uh, NDL yes. where six one nine six one nine was there, and then you guys also came down to a, a tour stop in Arizona. Um, and I think that was when we started to realize, like, oh, we, re we recognize these people from from San Diego. Right. Why, why, um, why Rise of Brutality? Where did that name come from? Uh, well, you know, I think there's only one guy that really knows where that that name came from, and it it was uh, Cole from Doom. Huh. Uh, it was kind of funny how he came up to us and <laughs> confronted us one day. Like, hey, dude, you guys got your name from a hate breed song, didn't you? We were just like, yeah, you got us. <laughs> so, you know, I don't even know if you knew that or not, but I did not know that. That's how that's how we came across that. We just thought it sounded good and went with it. It paints a I mean, when people think dodgeball, they're like, oh, that's intense, or oh, that's that's dangerous, or it's scary. I mean, the the people that don't like dodgeball obviously are saying that. So you think dodgeball, you think brutal. Okay, I guess that works. So that that's kind of how I saw it. When I thought rise of brutality, I was like, well, dodgeball's on the... I, I, and I, I guess I overthought this clearly. But I was thinking like, <laughs> oh, okay, rise of brutality, rise of competitive dodgeball. I guess I get it. Cool, whatever. That checks out. They're really good, so they can be called whatever the hell they want. It doesn't matter. You know? Um, yeah. But I had no idea it was, it was a, a hate breed song. Um, I, I don't even listen to hate breed, so you have to forgive me on that one but uh is that where you have the like the skulls or like the uh like the tormented soul is that where that came from the logo as well or no no i don't think so oh man that, that goes pretty deep you know first we we had some weird <laughs> weird uh like crosses and daggers and all this stuff that Serge was really into. <laughs> and him. so that was like how, when we first started, I wasn't really for it, but I was just, you know, whatever kind of thing. 
And then the next year, Jim kind of, he took over the whole, him and uh, Jay were like, oh, yeah, we really want to, you know, do these, like, Spartans on our shoulders. And then, you know, I was never about any of it, but I was just like, whatever, it is what it is. It's just a shirt. Right. And then um, I think it was, like, year four or five, I, I had a little bit of the input. And, and you know, Skulls kind of went with our name, obviously. And we just we just found a logo that we really liked online and just went with it, you know, and just kind of tweaked it a little bit and made it ours, pretty much. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, whatever the faces are on it. I remember I was talking to Serge about this the other day. I, I remember watching in two thousand seven. It was some some dude named Freaky. He had like that was his nickname on the back of his jersey. This is when you guys, I guess didn't have I don't want to say the professionalism uh, established back then yeah but you had the you had the cross and then you had like the freaky whatever whoever that person was yeah <laughs> and so I, I remember that for some I mean because we were watching him during the last man standing and he ended up being like one of the last two three people I don't even know who he lost to. I just remember like this big dude doing really well I was like oh well, well good for him he seems to know what he's doing but for some reason that like blue cross thing that blue shirt with the cross on his left sleeve for some reason, I just like wrung out, and I'll, I'll, I don't want to say I'll never forget that, but I definitely remember that being part of the earlier versions of of, of Rise. Yeah, that's definitely on Surge. That's on Surge, along with the yeah, Freak was <laughs> uh, tips. You know, we like had a, a core five guys at the time, and Freaky was just like, uh, you know, we needed six guys for the tournament, and it was one of Surge's friends, and he played it in cahoots as well, and apparently he was you know, really, really good, but I didn't really know who he was. And again, at that time it was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, we're just, I just want to play dodgeball, you know, it wasn't no big deal. Right. Um, so he, he got a Jersey and geared up with us and we went with it. And it was our first year as rise. And I think we took second. Yeah. You guys took second. I looked it up. I think there was like an Alaska. Was it that? I think that was the year that that Alaska team. It was the the final year that Alaska had any kind of showing. I think they they taken the second year, and then the, they definitely took the third year um, after you guys or before you guys. Well, I re- yeah, I remember clearly. This dude on that team was he was gnarly, man. He had a, he had a cannon. I, it was unbelievable. Like he can just hit anything with a stinger, and you know we this day rides. Um, Stinger, Stingers was our thing. You know, we loved it. And this guy just, he just destroyed everybody. And I remember him coming back the next year. I'll never forget this. He, uh, he came to NDL and he had like his sweatsuit on or whatever you want to call it, his jumpsuit. And <laughs> he had these uh, big old headphones on and he didn't play the whole round robin. And just like totally treated him like he was the guy, you know what I mean? Right. And then he came in in the bracket play, and I think they lost their first two games, and he went home, and it was just the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh man, I'll never forget that. So I remember, I know who you're talking about. In 2005, he had like a his arm was in a cast the whole time because he had thrown oh, out his right. arm. I guess he was a, he had been a, like a pitcher or like a minor league guy. And so he just had like the douchiest look to him also. I, I remember pegging him as like a 1980s villain 
he had that kind of going for him. And um, I just wonder, like, why is this guy walking around like he's, you know, I don't want to say bad words, but, you know, he's just walking around like he's hot stuff, you know? He's like, he's, he's the guy. He's the guy. <laughs> he's the guy. <laughs> yeah. And yet he had yet to do anything. And then 2006 rolls around and we're playing against him. I was like, oh, okay, I got a chance to, like, hit this guy. And this guy threw, like, a stinger, like, straight right between my eyes. And, like, I barely got out of the way. And I was like, holy crap, I understand now. Like, I wish he had his arm broken again because that wasn't, that was, it's way too fast. So I got yeah, it at he, that point. He left some welts on a lot of the guys. I remember like some guys would just like lay down and try and dodge it and just get blasted right in the kidneys. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, he's crazy. And, now you see and they, did a, they did a really, really good job of protecting him because obviously he, he was the only guy. The rest of the guys on that team weren't that good. And we were just like really gunning for him and it ended up kind of backfiring. You know, when you, in my opinion, when you, overplay one guy it really affects the whole game you just gotta i just think that you just gotta treat it like dodgeball you know his time will come kind of thing right yeah that's um you definitely want to try to spend all your balls on one person because heaven forbid you, you miss and now you've you've given up control and that completely changes the pace of the game yep 100 um Definitely want to go into that kind of stuff and strategy, but before I do that, um, kind of back it up a little bit. When you went to In Cahoots, what what was it about dodgeball that that kept you coming back? Like you, you said you hadn't played before. Did you ever play like in grade school and it kind of just planted the seed? Like, oh yeah, I love dodgeball, or was it other sports, or what was it that oh, kept you? I'm just competitive as it comes. You know, I, I it didn't matter what we were doing. I just wanted to be the best, and I just always wanted to win. And, and I, I'd always played sports like football and basketball, and I just always stayed in shape. And yeah, just just competitive. That's the best way of putting it. Hmm. So no matter what we were doing, and then if you mix a couple of drinks in there, that just makes it fun. So <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. a bar, so you might as well partake. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. So basically, it was it was the competitive nature that that kept you coming back. Um, gotcha. And then when um, when you guys formed Rise, how did how did you end up being the captain? And is it fair to say that you're the captain of Rise? Oh uh, yeah, I am. And um, I wasn't always the captain. You know, the way that we always played it was um, we always just kind of took this of the humbling like who cares like we're a team we don't need a captain um so on and so forth and as the years gone on um i was just elected the captain from the guys just like the leadership um uh, you know i picked up the game real well i became the the play caller i just you know, I was always pressing for the team. I was always the guy that had the last ball. I just, I just, uh, I figured the game out pretty well. And they just were like, dude, we want you to be the captain. Like, take on that role. And I said, sure. Hmm. So that's kind of how that happened. And that didn't happen until, man, probably like year six or seven. You know, like we went all those years with just no captain, just winging it. So, yeah, it's funny because I had to get that, like, I had to confirm with Serge. I was like, Tim's the captain, right? Like, I, I think I remember hearing that, but not 
that wasn't established back in the day. That was something recent. And by recent, I mean within like the last two, three years, maybe. And it's, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it's just one of those things where it doesn't matter who the captain is. You guys are just one cohesive unit regardless. And, you know, some teams where you take out the captain, the rest fall apart. Or there's so many egos that you got to deal with. um, You can tell who's like the leader because they're the one that's throwing the weight around the most or they throw the hardest or what have you. With Rise, it's, and we've we've kind of talked about this um, in between games and and during some post-tournament, you know, bar hangouts and whatnot. What you've managed to do um, with Rise has has always, I don't want to say evaded me when I would captain my teams, but you you somehow eliminated the ego. And I kind of want to figure out a little bit more about that. Like, what was your inspiration for, for doing that? Um, are you modeled after other teams or other experiences? Or, you know, how did you instill discipline, remove the ego, and form one cohesive unit of six players that are on the same page constantly? How do you, how do, you do that? That's a great question. Uh, I just, uh, I've always just been growing up playing team sports just it's a team it's not one guy you know it's a team and you know I personally I think that you're going to get the most out of your players honestly if you involve them as much as you can with everything and don't have an ego and um, you know Rise we, we do things that I, I can't say that there's one team that's, you know, I've tried to copy and do this. We just kind of just did it on our own. And, um, you know, everything that we do is a vote. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, I've per, I've even been outvoted before on multiple things. And just, you know, I haven't been happy about it, but it's just, it, it's happened. It, it's the way the team's always operated. And so, you know, I think that's just, the bottom line is I think that you're going to get the most out of the guys if everybody feels 100% included. So they've got that buy-in from, from the beginning. Yeah. I've played many teams, even in dodgeball, just other sports where there's one guy calling all the shots and just with a huge ego. And, and you see guys just, they don't have any respect for him. Like they're irritated half the time. They're rolling their eyes when he's not looking. And I mean, I'd hope that my team doesn't do that with me. You know, I'm not looking for that at all. I'm looking for everybody to just – everybody's as, as important as the next guy on the squad. And, yeah, that's that's my opinion. So that kind of leads to a, a follow-on question is how do you deal with problematic players? Um, and I'm not going to name any names, but, like, you have had many roster changes throughout the years – some where it's like, okay, I guess they're rolling with that guy. Some where I can't believe they let that guy go. Does it just fall back to the team consensus? Or at what point do you say, okay, it, this person's not worth disrupting the team cohesion, so they've got to go? Without getting too specific on, on names and stuff like that, um, that's, that's definitely been tough with some players. I'm sure that everybody knows what players. Um, 
wasn't always the easiest decision. And, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, we second guess some of the decisions that we have made as a team. But uh, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to principles for us. And that's the most important thing. Like, you play within the strategy that we have made in dodgeball, then you're not going anywhere. But if you're arguing it or if you're doing things outside of the strategy or anything like that, then, you know, there's going to be warning after warning after warning. And if things don't change, you know, we have to part ways. That, that's just the way it goes. And again, that goes back to putting the team over a particular ego or person, regardless of how good they are or how long they've been there. Um, that was one of the I don't, that was one of the differences between uh, you know evil and and rise. Um, and it's not like I'm not trying to compare the two based on skill. It's just we've both been at this for a very long time. We both captain teams from from various. Um, competitive natures from NDL to elite and, and everything in between. And one of my biggest issues was letting people go. And it didn't even matter um, if it was like a skill-based thing. It was, no, I want to play with everybody. you know. And, and I, I often get crap because there are so many people out there that are sporting evil jerseys from one point or another. And <laughs> for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, cool. So people want to play on my team, deal with it. But at some yeah. point, you know, there's got to be where you have to look at the well, the well-being of the team, I guess. So it's like, yes, it's cool to include everybody, but do you want to include everybody or do you want to win? And is there a happy medium? And so I wonder if you've you've been able to find that happy medium because it would seem from the outside, all you guys care about is winning. But at the same time, I think what has kept you guys together is that you found that nice happy medium where. You know, it's more than just about winning. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Um, of course we want to win. Um, but at the end of the day, again, I think it's principles, like I said earlier. Um, I, it's such a tough one. It's like, oh, man, so many situations have come up in the past where you know, we're always trying to figure out solutions to not have to make roster changes and stuff like that. But, you know, sometimes there's nowhere else to go. And and at the end of the day, like I said, I want to win and Rise wants to win, but we also want to be, you know, you know, great teammates. And we also don't want to have like problems on the team and drama on the team and just egos on the team. And, I can keep listing things, you know. So at the end of the day, um, I think that we like to just build a camaraderie ourselves, keep it within our strategy, practice makes perfect, keep working together as a team, and then we know that it's going to come because, I mean, obviously you know I've had some of the greatest players on this team, and – We've won before them, and we've won after them. So I think that Rise of Brutality is always going to win. Um, maybe not every tournament, but we're always going to be, you know, a top contender. So we just uh, 
we're, we're real big on just strategy, you know, like I would like to, you know, take credit as rise, you know, being the, uh, the ones that kind of came up with pressing and stuff like that and play calling, getting behind the ball and deciding what to do as a team. And I mean, there's quite a bit of things. I know that a lot of teams out there don't have to do stuff like we have to do because they just have so much raw talent on their squad. Um, we just, we're a little bit different. We like to just play slow as everybody knows. It can be sometimes a bit boring to watch, I'm sure, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it works for us. So why change it? Right. You found something that works for your, for your players, for your team. Why, uh, why deviate? Yeah. The, um, so I guess a, a, another question then would be when you're in a situation where you have to pick up a new player, you know, I'm sure you would have people lining up to, to hop on board. So it's not like you're scraping and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it's not yeah. like you're scraping from like the bottle to barrel. Like you're just picking up whoever can, can show up like you did maybe back in 2007, 2008. When you're looking at the wide array of potential players, what, what specifically do you look for? And does it vary based on the vacancy that's open or, you know, what, um, I guess, what, what would you look for in a new recruit? Again, that's another tough question. I, I personally, the first thing I like to look at is, is if he, if he's a San Diego player, because I think it's one of the most important things to be able to play with a guy week in and week out and just continue to build that chemistry. Unfortunately, that doesn't always work as far as picking up guys that are local with you, especially when you know that there's some better talent elsewhere. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think that I look for guys that aren't necessarily big egos and more of team players because that's more important to me. So I'm looking for guys that, you know, can this guy catch? Can this guy throw? Is he smart with the game? Is he, you know, a hothead? Is he got an ego issue? I mean, looking at all kinds of stuff personally. But again, at the end of the day, it isn't up to me. It's up to everybody. So we we usually reach out to a couple players and then just bring them across the board and see, you know, who agrees with what player, you know, who gets the most votes and just approach it like that. Um, but we're, I'd say that we're really happy with the team that we have right now. Like we, we just did a, a rise training camp last weekend and it went really well. Um, had a lot of good bonding moments and just, I think that's what it's all about. So it's about whether or not they can mesh, if they are coachable, if they are willing to put them, uh, put the team over their own egos yep. and if they're local that doesn't that doesn't hurt obviously and that's completely what we got right now nice what um i definitely want to get into the training camp but do you what, what helps you because looking at alan for example when you had picked him up and i'm not sure if other people felt this mm -hmm. way but there were two things that i thought would maybe not work for him and that was one i wonder if rise can rein him in because at that time he was still very, very much Allen, very all over the place, very wild, very good. Don't get me wrong, but but not, 
you wouldn't really necessarily think of him as a rise player. And by that, I mean, you know, calculated, calm, collected, strategic, all that good stuff. Basically everything that Alan was not at that point. Sorry, Alan, but we all know it's true. Um, yeah. So that was the one thing that he had to work around. The other one was he's in Arizona. And so what, um, how do you, how do you work around that? Especially now, because there are lots of teams out there where they're, they're picking and pulling people from all over the place now. And so the only time that they really get to play together, unless they do these training camps, um, is the actual tournament. So what, uh, if you can comment on them, what are some things that help keep that camaraderie between, you know, you and Chris and Alan and the rest of the team back home to ensure that you guys are on the same page? Well, it's not perfect. You know, it's it's kind of unfortunate sometimes that all we ever get to do is play in tournaments because there's just so many things that happen throughout the day that I think if we played together every week wouldn't happen. And um, but you know we're getting through it. Alan is very loyal and and he's very passionate about the sport and, and rise of brutality as well. Um, he is a little wild and it took some time to work with him, but I think my personal opinion, what helped the situation with Alan is he bought into the system. He's not, he's not arguing about our strategies. He might, you know, sometimes try and do too much. Um, just like all of us at times, but he he's bought into the system and he's all in. So, like I said, it's it's tough when you got players that are out of town and all you get to do is play tournaments. Um, that's why I think the training camp is pretty important, you know. And I'm going to try and push to get a few of those a year. Um, yeah. So was the training camp your idea or was that like a collective team thing or have you guys been thinking about this over time? What's the story behind that? Um, we just were working on a couple new things, to be honest with you. And um, more, more Serge's idea. He takes care of a lot of stuff behind the scenes with Rise of Vitality that, you know, I don't have, you know, I don't know. I don't have the Facebook. Obviously, I see stuff on the Rise Count, you know, photos and stuff like that. But anytime anybody ever really comments or takes care of the stuff that nobody else wants to take care of, it's it's usually Surge. Hmm. And so, yeah, he, he was the one to kind of head up with uh, working on a couple new things and just let's get the guys together and see if we can, you know, get some chemistry over the weekend and just have like a a training camp and just hang out and go have some drinks afterwards and some food and just get a lot of dodgeball in and and I thought it was great. So it wasn't just like show up, play dodgeball, go back to your rooms, wherever you're staying. It was, it was also focusing on on team bonding and just getting to know each other and having a beer together, basically, not just uh, that's regimented dodgeball. Most important parts, I think, having some. 
you know, dodgeball can be stressful sometimes, just especially when things aren't going your way. And so I think it's very important to have the time to have some laughs and hang out with the guys and just have some food and beers and just, you know, have a good time. Gotcha. Was it, um, was this a closed off training camp or did you open this up to other San Diego players or how did, how'd you get bodies, I guess, to, to help you scrimmage or play dodgeball against? Again, that was Serge. Um, he took care of, uh, you know, some of the team Mexico guys and then some of the team USA guys. And he got, he got basically six guys down to, and he housed, housed all of them for the weekend to work with us. And then I uh, opened my house to the rest of the, you know, our team, but um, only Chris Bell ended up staying with me. So um, that's kind of how that went down. Um, did you have like a, like a schedule? Um, like, okay, from, from hours X to Y, we're going to be doing this specific drill from hours, you know, or was it just a free for all? Cause I, and I'm basing this very loosely on one of the practices that I kind of attended. And I don't even know if that was like a legit practice. Cause I remember when we were leaving, it was maybe you or possibly Pine or Serge was like, that wasn't how we really practiced. Just so you know. So you can't take notes back to Tucson or back to, to Arizona. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are just messing with me or if you guys have like an actual structured practice that is very regimented and very focused and, and deliberate. Sounds like something Serge would have said. Yeah, that's probably him. Yeah. Uh, no, we had a schedule. We had like a full on itinerary. It was pretty funny, but uh, it, it was legit, you know, I mean, we had a walkthrough before the gym opened. We had, you know, breakfast and hung out and just shot the sh and then just went through the tournament or the practice the whole day Saturday and then went out afterwards and hung out, like I said, and then Sunday it was all over again. And yeah. Nice. Will there be other training camps? And if so, will they be open to other people or is it going to be invite only or have you even thought that far? Uh, there'll be another, there'll be other training camps. I just, I haven't personally thought far enough in advance if, uh, you know, we're talking about switching the group up or keeping the same group or, you know, again, that's probably going to go on surge. One of the things that nobody else wants to deal with. Gotcha. It's, uh, it's funny because when I found out, so, so Chris had told me about this during Sin City. He's like, yeah, we're, uh, cause we were talking about what it was like playing on rise, how that's working out for him and um, just kind of bantering back and forth. And he's yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're, we're totally ready for 2018. Um, rise is having a training camp next weekend that I'm flying over for. And if he had told me that eight years ago, five years ago, I would have been like, you are, that's too much, man. You're like, you are out of your mind. Like rise has gone nerd. too far. Yeah. You are <laughs> such a nerd. Like, like who, who does that? Right. But right. it's, uh, it, but it made sense. And like, I remember when I, when it first struck me how serious you guys treated rise. And that was, it was, I, it was 2009. Cause I missed 2008, 2009. You guys had the, the green jerseys and you had, um, I think it was Elizondo had sent a picture or maybe a surge. One of you guys sent both me and Jackie a picture of 
your setup and you had everything lined up, laid out, folded, and just so crisp. And I was like, what in the like that is that's intense. And you know, I'm looking over in my room and good luck if you can find half our stuff because it's just thrown everywhere. And I was like, talking about like clothes? Yeah, like your your jersey, your shorts, oh, towels, that's, wristbands. That must have been Jim. Yeah, somebody sent that to us and we're just like, that that's that's too much, man. But then I realized maybe maybe they got something there because, you know, some of us are playing in jeans. <laughs> like we gotta yeah. get we gotta get our crap together if we're gonna ever get to that level. Uh, you were playing in jeans for a long time, I remember. <laughs> that's uh I don't know how you know that, but yeah, I used to play <laughs> in uh, jeans and a hoodie and uh, Oh man, that's great! <laughs> oh man, there's so Justin. Me. I don't know if you remember him, but he used to play in jeans too. It was pretty good. <laughs> like, man, how's that guy get that load of catch with his jeans on? They're so tight. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I played in a. I was a ringer for my little brother. He had like a a, a, a tournament for his work. It was like an Abercrombie and Finch Hollister nightmare of a tournament. He invited me to go, um, and I was like, yeah, I would love to throw balls at pretty people. Why not? And yeah. I just roll up, and I'm wearing jeans and, like, a T-shirt because I don't want to I don't want to show up in my dodgeball gear and be like, okay, first of all, this guy's a huge nerd. Secondly, Mark, your older brother's a weird guy. <laughs> like, what's he doing? So I tried to play it off all cool, and I was like, yeah, I've, I've played in jeans before. I, I, I'm used to this. But as I was playing, I was like, I don't know how I did this back in the day. Like, never again could I ever play in jeans and – just uh, going back to the 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 contrast between what we were doing on the evil front and what you guys are doing, you already set a standard, and so we go and find out later on that you guys have a brand guide, and then you guys have like all these set standards and practices, and I think that's honestly that's kind of where I realized that maybe we should have a podcast or some way to record some of these conversations because I was sitting with uh with you and Serge and you guys would kind of just give me the lowdown on why you feel this is necessary and, and how it's shaped rise and how it's helped you, you know, um, captain a very, very high performing, consistent team. And it all starts with unity. It starts with like the uniform and you guys are touching on themes that I've experienced through the military where everything is dictated to the letter, like what you do, how you do it, when you do it, why you do it. And it's just a crazy thing to see that come from, a dodgeball perspective but then you fast forward to 2018 and you're telling me about training camps I'm like yeah that makes sense why not <laughs> I, I have to give all that credit of the uh, the strict uniform stuff to Jim yeah for sure he he's the guy that you know I would like to say put the numbers on the wristbands and the shorts first and stuff that other people weren't even thinking about doing like he's the one that wrote up a whole list of you know, has to be black Nikes, has to be, you know, um, have you got your hands on that list yet? No, I haven't. Um, there's a couple things I, I haven't got my hands on. I got my hands on though, a Gatorade towel from, from Jim and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw me, but I was holding like a sacred artifact. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to use this. Like it's still rolled up. <laughs> like, I don't want to put my feet on this. This is like, this is going in my dodgeball hall of fame cabinet or something. I have to get like a replica of it. If you've gotten a Gatorade gel from, towel from Jim, that means he likes you. Uh, yeah, after after tw- 10 years, I've, I'm good. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> finally made it. 
the uh, yeah, I, I was like, cool, dude. I'm I'm about to take this gift, throw it on the floor, and start stomping on it. I don't I don't think that's the best way to respect this present that you gave me. I'm let me let me just like use it in the gym for a little bit, and then I'll I'll feel comfortable trotting on on this awesome thing you gave me. That's right. <laughs> but uh, oh, man, you remind me of this one time. So I was uh, when I was deployed uh, back in 2011, 2012 timeframe. Uh, Rise, some of you guys wrote me a letter. Um, and I don't know how that happened. I, I don't know if like maybe Jackie was behind that, but I thought that was like the coolest thing. And I had to dig that thing up because I still have it, but it was like, hey, Steve, hope you're doing all right out there. Uh, can't wait for you to come back so we can play together. And just so you know, like here is the the strategy of do- of, of Rise. We're going to let you know because, you know, you're you're doing something great or whatever. And as I'm reading, I'm like, no way. They're not going to give me, like, their their dirtiest secret. And I think you guys, like, said what we do is, like, we aim together. Or it was something like, like the most common sense, like, dodgeball thing. It was such a good trolling. It was so funny. Step one. Yeah, step one. Uh, oh, you, okay, so that's how Rise does it. They hit the other person with as many balls possible. That's wow. right. <laughs> that's great. You guys have always been jokers about, like, you know, sharing captain's notes like oh i want to see this brand guide what do you mean i can't get it get it jackie or, or somebody get it you know um are you would you ever make that um i don't want to say make, make that information public but because and i'm not trying to be a complete fanboy to rise but because you guys set that standard for what a competitive competitive team looks like would you ever feel value sharing them with other people to help them get on their on their own feet or help them step up so to speak or is that like a secret that only team members of Rise will ever see? Sharing what strategy? Strategy or or brand notes, uh, brand guides, um, practice regiments, uh, basically everything that goes into making you guys rise. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I'm pretty easy going. Like, you're gonna come talk to me and ask me questions. I'll help you out. I've always kind of felt like I've been helpful to people when they have questions. Um, yeah, like I said, to an extent, I, I can't, I can't give everything away that we have, you know, and some of the stuff is, you know, obviously super secretive, but obviously anybody with some intelligence can watch some film and pick up exactly what we do. But yeah, I mean, if somebody ever wants to ask, feel free. Nice. So on that note, <clears throat> Um, what advice would you give to aspiring players? So people that might be, I don't want to say intimidated to come up to you, but people that may not even think that you can even do that. Cause I remember, you know, you guys had like this really weird, not stigma, but like this air about you where I don't want to talk to those guys. They're, they're jerks. They're too busy winning and they, they're not. That still goes on, Steve. Right. But I've, I've surpassed that. I have the towel of, of peace. Right. So I, I can come in and out as I please. I think I've even been offered a chair sometimes when you guys That's are right. taking it. So <laughs> like, I, uh, I'm good, but most people may not be. And um, one of the questions that I got from when I, when I asked the group on Facebook was, what, what advice would you give to aspiring play, uh, to players? Hmm. And may, maybe I can better phrase that with... Um, people that that want to like ascend another level so let's say um they've got their basics down like they understand you know don't give up all the balls they understand to always be paranoid like what um what could they take home 
to improve? Um, I, again, I think, you know, the number one thing is just practicing with your team, in my opinion. Um, so even if sometimes you're at practice and you're not on the same team, like, see, for us, it's a little difficult because when we're in San Diego practicing, we don't, we don't ever get to play together. So half the time I'm playing against Jim and Serge and, you know, a lot of times I got pine on my team. It's, you know, there's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to, you know, get into detail exactly how to make somebody better in that aspect. I just personally try to, at practice, work on little things like, you know, hitting a guy when one's throwing at me and catching the other guy, like stuff like that, obviously, just in case I'm ever in a situation where, it's me versus four or five or six people or something like that. And I have to make a big catch. So um, that's one little thing, but uh, just, uh, just knowing like ball control is very important. I think too, with the game. And uh, I think that, you know, a lot of people aren't very good with that and that hurts a lot of people. And I think that a lot of teams don't even know that it hurts them ball control. So I don't know, that's a little advice. So it's, I mean, it, I almost want to say it's common sense, but like if you want to get better, um, and when I was talking to Tim Wells, uh, Vince had told him, you got to play against people that are better than you. Yeah, for sure. So it basically, it, it just comes down to mentality. Like, okay, if you can throw a ball, then that can be worked on. If you can move, that can be worked on. But at the end of the day, if you if you don't decide mentally to get better and to push yourself and to get yourself in these situations where you're uncomfortable, then you're going to plateau. And I feel like that should be common sense. Practice makes perfect. You know, it, it's just things that were taught in little league and, 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 and sports and at growing up. Yeah. But for some reason I, I feel like, and I don't know if I'll get blasted for this, but like some people, if they don't get good right away, they give up or they just, they, they don't believe in hard work. And when I look at, various teams and a look at rise again going back to concepts such as team buy-in and uniformity and practice and like all these things it just makes sense that you guys would be where you are today because if any other team followed something similar i would almost expect them to have a similar result so it, it's oh, crazy yeah. it, it's just it's crazy because it, it again it should be common sense but i don't know if people really understand that or if they're willing to get past the whole, you know what? I love dodgeball. I'm going to make this a priority. I don't care if you call me a nerd. I'm going to go to a training camp. I'm going to fly over and, and make this happen because this is the level I want to play at. Therefore, these are the, the steps I'll take to get there. Kind of wanted to um, kind of pivot on that same concept and ask if you had any advice for aspiring captains because now, and, and I shouldn't even say now, um, I mean, this goes back way, way back. Teams are thinking that they're going to play against you and Doom to get to the championship. I mean, that's almost, it'd be a weird day if that doesn't happen where you don't play, face rise. So for teams that are, you know, picking up new players and they're looking at 2018 Elite with, you know, you know eyes on the prize type of uh, mentality, what, uh, what advice would you have for captains specifically on how they can get to you, how, how they can beat you? Maybe, maybe not beat you, but 
you know what I mean? Like, how can they get better? Well, first of all, I think that you have to learn how to fail before you, you know, become a winner. I really think that you have to learn that part. Um, so people need to just, as a captain, you need to learn to accept that there's better out there than you. You know, there's better captains than you. There's better teams than you. There's teams that have done it for a long time. There's teams that are up and coming. Um, so I think from what I see right now from a lot of the teams forming is too many teams just give up too quick. And um, that's like the number one thing I see right now. I see a lot of talent out there and the game has totally escalated from when me and you first started playing dodgeball, obviously, but that's kind of, it's kind of what I see. Uh, I see just, I see people just quit too easy, you know, like, dang it, this isn't working. I got this dream team and I've been playing with them for two years and we didn't win. Let's just break up this team and start a new one. And it's like, dude, you were probably just on the verge of creating the camaraderie that you needed to get to that next level. And you just, you know, folded like a lawn chair. And now you got to figure it all out again. And meanwhile, you're just making enemies. I mean, hmm. you know, that's kind of why we just have tried to just stick together with just basing on a strategy thing. Um, you know, something that I personally think that as a leader, I need to work on that I've been recognizing lately is, you know, not hanging my head down low when things aren't going our way. And that's the hardest thing for me that I'm trying to adapt to. But, you know, I think there's areas to improve every level. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of goes back to the, Oh, I didn't get good right away. So instead of putting in the hard work, I'm going to, I'm going to fold. And then earlier you said um, you got to learn how to fail. So it's not because I mean, failing, people don't think of it like that. They're like, they don't see failure is like, what's the saying? Failure is like a shortcut to success or some, something like that where, you know, you want to mess up, get that out of your system and then move forward to success. So you mentioned you, you, you don't want to hang your head down. Um, you want to be optimistic. You want to be um, clear minded does that come with failure where you've already been through situations before and you're like, Hey, we survived or we pulled ourselves out of this. Like, is that something that failure teaches you or that you prepare yourself for? Yeah, a little bit of that. And I think that another big thing about the whole thing that I'm working on is, you know, when I put my head down, it just reflects on my team, you know, and I'm supposed to be the one leading the team. I'm supposed to be the one that's upbeat. They're all looking up to me to, you know, carry the team in, in the sense uh, as a captain, then I need to, I need to, you know, start acting like that a little bit better sometimes. Gotcha. It's because if they look over and see you downtrodden, they're, they're going to probably lose their morale also or, or be affected by it. Yep. hundred percent. Gotcha. Um, so what, um, let's focus on you just a little bit. What, um, I want to say, what are your secrets to being a great corner, but you kind of have like this 
you exist in the corner and then somehow it's always you versus somebody at the very end and it's like do you do you train for that do do you anticipate that happening or you know what is it that makes you so so dang hard to hit is that just your style over the years or do you have like training that you've done or it's kind of weird to ask you how are you so good but that's i guess that's kind of what i'm doing um i don't know if that helps you tee up an answer but you know how did you find out that you're that you play the way you do and that you're really good at it i guess i've got a good uh i've got a good move (laughs) i guess if you want to call it that that i do when I catch myself in trouble, let's just say, um, I don't want to share it. I'm sure some people know it or have seen it in the past, but it it's a tough one to hit me on. Um, and I would give a lot of the credit to just, you know, just being extremely agile from playing football and stuff like that, to be honest with you. Um, as far as just finishing games out one-on-one, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say like I practice that. Like I just, I'm competitive, you know, and I don't like losing at anything. And so um, I think that I would like to say that I'm intelligent with the game. So a lot of times I just like to, you know, outsmart my opponent or just be extremely patient. And I know this majority of the dodgeball community is very impatient. So that I kind of just use that to, to my advantage as much as I can. Cause I don't really have all the tools that some of these, you know, new guys have like with arms and, you know, great catcher and stuff like that. I'm just, I would like to say I'm overall balanced, but I think that my intelligence of the game kind of helps me out with just finishing those moments off. Gotcha. Um, To be a great corner. I think that, I've been doing it for 10 years now and um, pump faking's, you know, super crucial, obviously, to help not me, but the team. And um, being extremely accurate, that's one thing that I am. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My role has changed over the years. You know, I used to used to be really good at the uh, bait and catch back in the day. And I've pretty much been voted to no longer do that for other reasons. And so, you know, again, this team votes for everything. So no longer do I really bait and catch as much as I used to, you know, under critical situations. So anyways, um, yeah, I think just – being accurate helps a lot and just I think the number one thing that helps me with like play calling and stuff like that and just being intelligent to the game is just knowing the players knowing the you know what certain players do and how predictable they can be and stuff like that and just being able to be a quick quick thinker with ball situation and just making the right call and the limited time we have in the elite and stuff like that so that that's definitely something that's helped me. Gotcha. You mentioned uh, football gave you some kind of like move or agility. Um, was there anything else um, prior to dodgeball that you think helped prepare you to become a 
a good dodgeball player? Like, or did it all just coalesce into something that equals dodgeball for you? No, I don't think anything. You know, I, like I said before, I've just I've always been pretty good at sports. That was the one thing I was good at, and I've always been as competitive as they come. And um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm just. I think staying uh, staying fit and and you know just agile is obviously super important to to being able to dodge good and you know i think that having the uh being in really good shape just helps physically and then when you're not physically tired then you don't get mentally tired and i think that it just kind of all works together are there uh typically like a specific workout regimen that helps you prepare for this or like i guess like do you go to gym thinking i'm going to make my legs stronger so I can throw harder or I'm going to do more cardio so I can make sure I can last, you know, an extra 30 seconds at high intensity dodgeball. Do you have like specific workouts that help you with that? Or is yeah. That kind of- um, I mean, I'm not going to throw any harder than I do. I mean, <laughs> I've been throwing the same speed for the whole time and I've tried working on things and nothing really helps. So I just, I throw hard enough to, to get myself out of trouble and I, in my opinion, and the accuracy definitely helps with my throw. Um, but I, me personally, I, I'm a firm believer of just you know staying fit. So I, I go to the gym four days a week and lift, and then I I play basketball, pick up you know full court basketball, hmm. usually about three days a week, and that's how I keep up with my cardio. Gotcha, and that's kind of helping you combat you know, heaven forbid age and this myth that, and at least it's a myth for me, I'm not going to accept until I'm dead that, (laughs) you know, you you slow down. I mean, I get that things hurt more now. You know, I made the comment about trying to uh, take better care of myself and focusing more on recovery now after a tournament, or at least after the first day with, uh, with Alan. And I'm very happy to see that he's actually taking care of his body now. Cause for somebody that's like 10 years younger than me, um, you know, let's compare how we feel when we're 50 and see who comes ahead. Um, is there anything that you do more so now than you used to when you were younger to help preserve yourself for more dodgeball years to come? Well, I mean, I, I will say I'll start out with I, I'm super sore after tournaments a lot more than I ever have been. You know, some some days, some weeks, like, you know, I mean, after the Sin City, that wrecked me for four days, five days. And then I had the training camp that week and I almost didn't think I was going to be ready. I was just like, man, now I'm finally realizing why, you know, professional football players retire in their thirties. It's just like, it's just too hard to, you know, by the time you're, you just get through the soreness, you got to play again. And it's just like that, that can get exhausting over time. Um, I personally believe I'm a firm believer of if I tear my body up in the gym and I deal with the soreness on a regular basis, then that's going to keep me at a point where I can deal with it like it's no big deal, hmm. if that makes sense. It does. I mean, in the military, they teach us how to be able to do stuff being sleep-deprived so that we're not whining, you know, when I'm tired, I can't do this because I've never been exposed to this before. Like, it, No, it's, it's just another day in the life of you know being active duty when you are. 
So that does make perfect sense. Um, I mean, if you go a long time without playing dodgeball and you you go ham or whatever, you know, you're going to be sore for a very long time. And, it, and it's, it, it's, I don't want to say it's excruciating, but there's no other soreness like it. But if you kind of prepare yourself to be sore and be comfortable and be able to function right. in that kind of, uh, I don't want to say environment, but under those conditions, you're no stranger to it. So, you know, you can, you can power through. Uh, when you need to, unless, you know, you're like you did during the LA classic where you're thinking about whether or not you tore your Achilles tendon. Um, yeah, that was a little sketchy. <laughs> maybe that's when you kind of needed to, to, to slow it down a little bit. Um, yeah, oh no, man, that's always been my biggest fear that one injury. Uh, uh, that's gnarly. It ended up being just like an ankle sprain. Uh, I just, you know, I've rolled my ankles thousands of times and I, I'm sure you can remember when I used to wear those big old ankle braces, which I've graduated from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, I've always rolled my ankles, what is it, inward maybe or outward? Outward. And, you know, just like anybody rolls their ankle, well, this time it went like the opposite direction. And that's kind of why I was like, I heard a pop and I was like, uh-oh, that oh. was new. I've never had that before. You know, and then my Achilles was sore and I was just like, oh, no. Well, three, four days later, it was, you know, the Achilles was fine and it was sore just like on the inside of that ball on the inside of your ankle. So I was like, oh, cool. I'm down with that. Anything but the Achilles. For sure. I mean, that, that'll take you out for a very long time. Yeah. And that usually tends to happen to older players. And you know, I'm 36 now, so I'm a little concerned. I hope that that doesn't happen to me. Or at the very least, you know, at least know what, when uncomfortable becomes you know this is really going to mess something up. i should probably probably slow it down just a little bit or at least have somebody to look at it because that's right. uh yeah it's, it's rough coming back from that um that was one of the questions that i had was you know what was what has been your worst injury um and how you've just dealt with um recuperation and and getting back into the game if you've even had one yeah uh, i have i uh so I've had four knee surgeries, um, just kind of quiet about it. Um, so I, I've got pretty bad arthritis in my knees are already for the last 10 years I've dealt with it. Um, but my worst injury I would have to say is something that I'm still dealing with right now. Um, and it's, I've had it for about nine months and it's plantar fasciitis and, you know, I've had a few surgeries on it already and it's, uh, Man, my foot just feels like I'm walking on needles all the time. It sucks. But uh, I'm doing everything the doctor says. And and the number one thing that um, messes with it is basketball. So I've had, you know, for a while there, I did get out of, out of shape because I had to quit playing basketball for about five or six months. And, you know, then I obviously put on a little bit of weight and just – yeah, anyways, I just I, I recognized that when I was playing dodgeball, I was huffing and puffing, and it was just affecting everything. And I just knew, like, that for me, it was like, hey, man, I can't be out of shape playing dodgeball because, like I said earlier, it affects you physically. And then when it affects you physically, you start making stupid mental mistakes, and I can't have that. So it was like when the foot was feeling a little bit better, I just hammered back down and got back into shape and – I'm almost where I need to be again. I'm not where I was, but that's okay. Getting so you, there. You can work towards. So do you see it like as an 
like an uphill battle like dang i'm going through a slump right now i'm not as fast as i used to be i'm not as whatever as i used to be but i just got to get through this because i know i'm going to be there do you see that as like discouraging motivating um or is it just something that you just don't care about you're going to push through regardless well i push through regardless for sure i always have been like that um i do care it's been frustrating um I am the fastest player on rise. Let Serge know that. Nice. Uh, if I he's ask crazy. That. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the injury, the injury bug is definitely not fun. Um, but I guess it could always be worse, you know. At least I was able to, for those moments where I had this foot injury, I just couldn't run to the line, so the rest of the team had to pick me up and get the balls every time. But uh, I was still able to, you know, play dodgeball for the most part. Like, I just wasn't maybe as agile as normal. But like I said, I'm, I'm my foot's feeling good now. Um, it's almost fully healed. I got one more schedule to get one more cores on shot. And hopefully that'll do the trick. Sure. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's one of those things where like, well, I don't know if I want the bad juju talking about injuries, but you know, they happen and they can be, I don't want to say soul crushing, but they can really weigh down on you. When I, um, the first elite, we, um, I broke my finger like three weeks prior and I have no idea how I was able to play against people like, you know, people on rise and some of these people that throw 60 miles per hour. Cause the dude that finally broke my finger was, um, and no offense, but he was, he was like a regular rec league player. He's like a nobody. Yeah. And, um, Oh, I don't take offense to that at all. Yeah, because it just it just <laughs> happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess there's there's two people that could be offended: the guy that did that, and then and then people that are actually really good at dodgeball. But um, now that I'm backpedaling, <laughs> um, it was it was just one of those freak occurrences where you know I'm rushing the line, popping up a ball to block, and I just the timing wasn't there, and broken finger, and then crap, I'm I'm of no use to my team now. Um, now it's falling apart and it's like dang it like been waiting for a long time for like a legit national championship and it's already kind of sucks that you got to write it off for next year and um it's just one of those things where you know if your heart's in it then you're gonna come back the next time or if for some reason you're taken out of the game just you have to rebound back and sometimes it could be a bit of a struggle and i i do know that some people get discouraged and and don't want to come back because of that because they see who they used to be versus who they are. And they, and they, I don't know if they don't have the, I don't want to say the intestinal fortitude because that sounds cold, but I don't know if they have, if they're lacking something that doesn't want to get them to push through. And I, I kind of wonder, what's up? Yeah. Some people are just ready to hang it up at that point. Huh? Yeah. I don't you know. That's definitely not me, but I understand some people when they are at that point. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things you don't you don't want to see or wish on anybody, um, especially gnarly injuries like like the Achilles. But there are just some that you um, you just might not bounce back from, and just a precaution. And right. especially now playing against um, at the level that we're playing against now, it, you know I don't want to say it's more frequent, but you you have to take care of yourself. You have to condition, and you have to treat yourself afterwards if you want to last more than five or six years. Because back in the day, who knows what we were doing? You watch. <laughs> You watch an NDL game, and it could be like the championships of whomever, and you're like, "What are they doing?" It's it's so fun to watch, but it's like such a slap in the face. I was watching um, after talking to Alan 
the Rampage Championship, and we just, again, look like a bunch of kids that are just playing streetball or something. And yeah. give me, like, four other guys that play elite, and we'll mow both teams down, no problem. Oh, yeah. It's just it's funny to see that. I remember looking at some old videos, too. It's pretty messy stuff. I think it was just before, you know, I mean, I, I really think it was before uh, teams were really, really competitive and good, and I don't think there was any reason for much strategy at the point. So I think it was just like a free-for-all. Yeah, it was like the, the wild, wild west, I guess. Every, every man for himself, whoever can throw really hard wins, wins the game, I guess. Exactly. Um, so I guess kind of going back and forth on, on that, do you have like a, a treasured dodgeball memory or a championship that you that is your favorite? And if so, why? Um, I think that a good moment was championship wise was the the first elite that we won the championships and i i want to say it was just because it was like in my opinion the level of competition was just on the next level at the time and it was just a tough time to win like it was one of the best tournaments that i've ever played in it's back when mark just invited you know eight teams and and it was just so much dodgeball like he just made a cap and and everybody just played all day long and it was just a gnarly tournament and we ended up coming out on top in that one um yeah that was a lot of fun and then the next year we followed up and won the championship again in vegas and for the elite that was another rad tournament that i remember and just cherish um, yeah, those are the two that I can think of that were just great. I mean, there's there's a lot to choose from, really. I mean, you you guys won the NDL championships how many times? Enough to have Ed Prentice ask you to stop playing? Yeah, that's um, a joke, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I try to give credit where it's due with respect to the NDL. I mean, they, they definitely gave us a... I don't want to say well-packaged, but they, they introduced competitive dodgeball to the scene, and I can definitely pinpoint when it became real for Arizona, and a lot of our teams, a lot of the players got their start there, but uh, some of the things were just completely just whack. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'll never understand um, if somebody is so good that they can't be beat, tough, <laughs> like get better and put the work in, and it was... Um, so I talked about with Alan, one, one, of, one of the disappointing things about our, our championship in 2010 with Rampage was we didn't get to play you for it. We, we, we figured that's how it was going to end up. I mean, every Grand Canyon State games ended that way. It just made sense. We would be facing off against you guys. And so when you guys were asked not to show up, we're like, well, that kind of cheapens our win a little bit. We definitely had a hard time with the uh, mixed play crew out of Hawaii. But when we yeah. get to Hot Sauce, it's like, well we want to win and we're going to celebrate and we're happy that we won. But what would, it, what would it have been like if it was against you guys? And then, like I say, that's one of the things that haunts me. It's just, you know, you can't do that. And I'm glad Elite's here for, for reasons like that. Elite would, would never do that. Um, right. They, they definitely have their, they know, they know what to do. They know what to do right and well. And it's, it's, it's great that it's happening. Um, 
do you have a on the flip side do you have a a moment where you you're kind of just i don't want to say you regret but like do you have the opposite of, of a highlight like a tournament where you're just like dang that was awful or maybe yeah. it was like a, a good lesson for you or something like that we had a tournament a few years ago in arizona and oh man <laughs> i don't know if i could say this or not but i'd like to say we did the bed and it was so bad it was just uh it was embarrassing we just we partied too much that night <laughs> obviously can't do that as we got a little bit older and stuff like that the same and went and played all day and it was just it was a mess um that was the the tournament that i can remember i don't remember um how, i mean maybe it was like a couple years ago but I think we got like seventh or something crazy. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. Was that so, a was that elite or Grand Canyon State Games or do you know what that was by chance? I think that was an elite tournament. Okay. I think. Yeah, because the last um, 2014 elite, we took that one off. Yeah, I remember it was you against Marcus for like an hour. It was just so excruciating. <laughs> Yeah, he's tough to hit too. <laughs> yeah, he's. I remember, uh, I remember dealing with him a few times. He's he's not fun when he's the last guy on the opposite end. Um, right. I mean, you're you're not either. But when you have both these people that are calm, collected, and are just waiting for the other person to mess up, it's like this is exciting. But it's been 30 minutes. Let's end this. Like, because I don't know if right. that was like the final game or if we had one more after that. Yeah, it's got to be so boring to watch. I can, I can only imagine. It was. It was it's just like okay i can only hold my breath for so long like something happened somebody get out let's 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 move past this so we can so we can live again uh but it was it was intense and i remember trying to coach marcus as if you know as if telling him hey dude be patient like okay cool thanks steve i would never have thought of that against him it's like (laughs) and i walk i was like i still i still deal with that to this day with Serge. he kind of gives me grief sometimes where i remember like in the uh (laughs) the elite uh, the Vegas championships that we won the day before that, that oh, I don't know if it's the same day or not. Actually, it was, we were playing pinch against dynasty and it was just round Robin, but I took out most of the team by myself and I don't claim to be like a pinch guy. I know how from surgery taught me how, and I can hold my own. Obviously, you know, I can stay alive pretty good, but I went in there and I was just battling with this team and I just overdid it. I I was so like exhausted that I was dripping sweat. I was beat red and I had like a lot of layers on like long sleeve, everything. And I remember that I was going one-on-one at the end with uh, Kevin Bailey and um, he threw the ball. I mean, it wasn't anything special. I blocked it and dropped my ball because I was so sweaty. I just couldn't believe that I did that. I was so like disgusted with myself. (laughs) Like I just fought this whole time against these guys and lost like that. Come on. At least let me try and go for a catch and drop it or something, you know? Yeah. You don't want to go out like that. And so I get out and I'm just, I'm exhausted. And Serge is like, dude, what are you doing? Like you can't waste your energy like that on a stupid round robin pinch game. What's wrong with you? And I was like, man, I don't, I I can't turn it down ever. You know that? And like, that's, (laughs) that's how I'm built. Like, I'm sorry. It's round robin. I don't care. I want to win. You know, it is what it is. So 
that's definitely sometimes bit me in the, in the butt, you know, just trying to win everything always. So just going full tilt a little too soon, maybe. Yeah. Do you, um, do you remember it was a volleyball tournament after the very first, uh, West coast series elite and it was a beach tournament and we were on the same team and I don't know if maybe, maybe it was me that made the comment. Cause I remember you were the last one in, which is basically the entire day. And, um, <laughs> you're just like not wanting to get hit by a foam ball. And, um, let's just assume it was me, but I think I made the comment like, dude, let just end this. Like, why are you, why are you going so, so, so hard right now? And then you said, I wasn't born with a half ass. Do you yeah. remember that? That was That's exactly uh, right. <laughs> you know, I actually can't play in a social league here in San Diego because I don't have a half. Unfortunately, I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> but you know, that's what they told me. Basically, we didn't. You know, we don't really want you playing. It is too much. It's like, oh, thanks. Sorry, I can't turn it down. How do you? Uh, so, so tournaments like Sin City, where you know they're competitive, but they're supposed to be lighthearted and fun. Um, I don't know if there's been a situation since the volleyball tournament where, you know, it's it's all in recreation and, and just a good time. Um, are you able, and I'm kind of getting this question from Jake, are you able to have fun during recreational tournaments? Oh, I have a blast at the Sin City, but I, I'm still trying to win everything. doesn't matter if it's uh, for money or for pride or... or... Oh, no. Uh, no. If it's dodgeball, I'm trying to win. Nice. If if it's not if it's not competitive and, and gonna push me to my limits, then I don't really want to play. If dodgeball wasn't as competitive as it was, I would have already quit. Hmm. And it's funny thinking that a tournament in cahoots um, or at in cahoots was what qualified for a competitive environment for you. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> it was pretty competitive, actually, but the game has definitely escalated and just became so much more competitive throughout, especially since, you know, Mark started the elite. That's kind of when I started recognizing like, this is, this is getting dangerously competitive. Like, you know what I mean? We, we got to like put our heads in the drawing board and just figure out the best strategy we can because this is tough. Right. And then you guys, guys like, you know, catch them. And obviously Billy and Pine, who can throw extremely hard, and it's just like, oh my goodness, like, how can we beat these guys with that type of talent, you know? So, and, and you got the the scary aspect where they're not just arms; they're they can catch and yeah. understand strategy, <laughs> and it's like that's not cool, man. Because like, remember remember Mason Shank Doom Train? Oh yeah, guy had a monster throw, but he left himself uh -huh. wide open. He was a yeah. liability. And he, it wasn't until the later versions of like towards the latter half of or the latter portion of his career where he started catching. But before that, okay, all we got to do is just get low and a ball is going to go eight feet over our faces and then hit him and that's it. Enter people like Ketchum who are just their wingspan or, or Billy where they can catch basically anything you throw at them. It's very frustrating to play against. Very cool to watch. Yeah, I think they're too big for the sport. They should quit. Yeah, they really um, they should start their own league or just uh, move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let us have our, our, our time still. Yeah, let us have our fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember talking to Brett about Chris Bell one time um, just during like a recreational league, and we're just going back and forth about 
how people are throwing harder now. And Brett had this crazy like prophetic moment where he's like, "That's uh, there's gonna be a day, Steve, where you're gonna look at Chris Bell and think that's nothing new." And I was like, "What kind of monster throws harder than Chris, but is almost as good as Chris? Can catch, can bring the whole package." And he's foreshadowing people like catch him. And I was like, okay, well, three years later, here we are. And um, yeah, it's 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 just it, like you said, it's it's scary how competitive it's getting. And uh, if we're not rising up to that challenge, then you know we'll be brushed aside at some point. Fortunately, we're not down to do that yet. But um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see catch him against that Alaskan guy and just see who would have prevailed or who throws harder. It's like one of those things yeah. where. Like what was scary for us back in the day is like nothing compared to you know what we're up against now. It's it's fun. Um, yeah, well, I didn't get to see that guy do much with any other ball but the stinger. So the stinger is where he was super wicked. I, so who knows? Maybe he threw an eight point five ball as hard as me. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> right. Um, kind of going on to the evolution of dodgeball, and I only have a, a couple more questions left. Um, are you at all interested in the what's going on with Team USA and going international, or are you content to just stick with um, with what you got with Rise on the local national front? Man, um, that's tough. You know, I I'm not a huge fan of foam, but. I know I need to venture out and work on some phone game and get better at it and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I guess if those guys approached me, then, you know, I would think about it as far as playing. I don't really know. Um, I just, I, I'm just not a hundred percent interested in phone. Like I just, I don't know. I just think that my personal opinion, eight point five is where it's at. But I mean, that's I the correct opinion. That's everybody else is just wrong. It's eight point five or die. Right. So, anyways, I mean, like I said, I could probably, if they asked, you know, be on the committee. But I don't think that I would ever want to play for the USA team. I just, to me, that doesn't, it doesn't really do it. I guess. If there were, if there was a eight point five USA team, oh, for sure. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, foam is. Uh, I mean, it's it's an opportunity to pr- to play. Still, it's a different dynamic. So I can practice going back to the basics of dodgeball, and that's dodging. Uh, yeah. With, with no sting, it's a little bit of a nice in between. But I'm always always gonna love eight point five. That's just gonna be my my first and only true love. I'm I'm right there with you, and I'm probably going to make some enemies by saying this, but I'm a firm believer uh, that no sting and foam can just make an average player good with how some people can just manipulate the ball. Um, that's just my opinion again, and I know that no sting is like up and coming, but that, I mean, there's just too much weird stuff going on with the ball that's just I don't know. It's just uh, you really can't get yourself out of trouble like an 8.5 with a big catch or something because there's all this weird funky movement on it. It's just, right. I don't know, it takes away from the game a little bit in my opinion, but 
my second favorite is definitely no sting over foam. That's for sure. I think a lot of 8.5 diehards feel the same way. It's um, it's far, far more impressive to see somebody like Justin Acton throw a freaking screwball or Brett's 10 to 5 or whatever he calls it, cutter throw with an 8.5 ball versus a foam ball. Like it's, you can you can do anything with a foam ball basically. Yeah. It takes practice and I won't say finesse, but it takes something special to be able to manipulate an 8.5 ball and seeing people curve and manipulate that thing it's always going to be more impressive than seeing something happen with a no sting or foam because of course like why how like that that's it's just too easy to do that and so i, I agree well, just look at the numbers i mean how many people can manipulate 8.5 ball Maybe and not many five in the no sting ball there's probably like hundreds of people yeah and it's i don't know i don't want to take away from from foam players because there's definitely a lot of talented players out there that have they can just pluck balls out of the air and that's definitely worth noting because it does take practice and and skill but you know i guess i'll forever be biased towards coming from back in the day when you know 8.5 has been our bread and butter since 2004 5 6 you know what have you right and i feel like it took me a long time to even learn how to barely curve the ball for myself and like, you know, I, I practiced that. I asked my brother who pitches to show me how to throw a curveball. And um, I, I will always savor a curve from a red rubber ball than a foam ball. That's just always my what I'm most impressed about. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So going back to, you know, the, the evolution of dodgeball and, and how crazy competitive it's, it's getting, how talented players are. Um, kind of ask Alan this as well what is the one thing that you're looking forward to the most with this coming year because it seems like there's always something better that comes our way from the elite eight tournament to the elite 12 to the west coast series to the national front to for some people the international scene so with all that still moving on the ups with dodgeball um, is there one thing in particular that you're looking forward to the most this year Um, no, not really. Like I still, I still just love the elite, you know, I'm just hundred percent on board with that and the 8.5 obviously. And, and just hoping that we can get, get back on top, you know, honestly, I just want to get back on top and, and, uh, and then obviously the championships is awesome too. I always love to, out there and act like we know how to pinch a little bit that's fun too and throw in the nose thing see how good we can do believe it or not we're nose thing champions in new orleans which was crazy but oh, uh nice. <laughs> that would be kind of funny if we can do that again too um but no nothing that i can really think of um i just hope that it i don't know hope it continues to go the way that it's been going it's just you know, everybody gets along real well and, and, you know, the community and all that. And I love it. It's great. Awesome. Cool, man. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and end it there. When I interviewed Rob Hometown Immel during the second episode, I made a comment about a revelation I had prior to the interview. I must have segued into something else because I didn't get into it fully like I had planned, but it had to do with the consistency that dodgeball has provided me throughout the years. I realized as I walk up to meet Tim, Jim, and Serge during the LA Classic 
that they, like many more, have actually been staples in my life. Granted, dodgeball is just a small portion. It has provided me with over a decade of familiar faces, great rivalries, truly epic battles, both experienced and observed, and so much more than I could have ever expected. I know I harp on things like how far we've come, and I get sentimental at the close of each interview, but I know of no other way to offer my thanks for this amazing gift and journey that began that one night when a friend said I should go play dodgeball. To think what my life would have been like had I stuck with my original answer of F no uh, is a fun thought experiment. But when I said yes that one night, I really just opened the doors to more experiences and more joy and more trials and, and, and just character building than I would have ever expected. And it's, it's truly, for all its faults, it, it's a blessing. Throughout all my struggles with dodgeball, the ups and the downs, the ability to see certain people three to four times a year catch up, compete, and then return to regular life only to do it again a couple more months down the road. Um, it, it's a world I feel that few people really get to experience, and it's something that needs to be truly cherished because you, you can't get this anywhere else. Um, dodgeball truly is a sport that has been evolved by a community of people that are fueled almost entirely by passion, and the ones that aren't there that aren't in it for passion, they don't last. And it's good to see the people that, that are in it for the right reasons um, time and time again. If there is one takeaway from this entire episode, it's the appreciation of anyone that truly respects the sport to not only get better, but take it to a whole new professional level and elevate the people around them, inspire countless others to do the same uh, across the court and across various states and regions. It has been a absolute pleasure doing this podcast so far. Um, I'm surprised that I've received the, the feedback and the uh, support that I have. But on that note, you know, I'm always going to be hunting for more. So if you have any questions, comments, feedback, concerns, gripes, whatever you want, um, this is a podcast. It isn't about me. It's about dodgeball. And the best way that I know how to get that story told is through you. So hit me up if you have any uh any of the above and um i'll just end it there have a great night everyone try again sorry nick three two one Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. I know I'm... Podcast? All right, try again. Three, two, one.